And you picked a great week to be here. Hopefully you've been here throughout the entire week. We're in our Pursuit series. And what this series is, our mission at Alpine Church is to help people pursue God. And so we put together 12 topics, or you can say it like this. We put together 12 conversations to have to help us in our pursuit of God. Like this is a resource and a tool, the Pursuit Library, or the Pursue God Library, to help us in our pursuit of God. Regardless of where you are, whether you are seeking God or you've been a Christian for many, many years, these resources, this tool, this series, specifically the pursuit, will help you get to your next steps or to help you answer questions about who God is. In week one, just to recap in case you missed it, we talked about far before we pursued God, God is and was pursuing us. And just that mindset of understanding the almighty God, the creator of all things, is pursuing us is incredible. Because many people think that God is in a galaxy far, far away, distant from them. But what they don't realize, God is pursuing you. He's right by your side and he wants to walk through life every step with you. That's the kind of relationship God offers. That was week one, understanding just the nature of God and how he loves us and pursues us. And then last week, the Bible, core value number one here at Alpine Church is we look to God and his word in all that we do. And we looked and spent some time talking about why you can trust the Bible. The Bible can be trusted, meaning when it's communicating to you, when you're reading those pages, that is the truth from God. God reveals himself through the Bible, his word, and it's important for us to understand who God is. It's, it's important for us to understand getting God right. So the Bible becomes the final authority in our life. And if you missed any, you can go to pursuegod.org go. It will take you to week one, to week two. It's great to do this as a family. It's great to do this with a mentor one-on-one, or even if you're by yourself and you want to you know, find out what Alpine's more about and you want to go through this series, you can watch the videos and you can look at the questions. You can do that as an individual. And today we're in lesson three, and we're going to be looking at the meaning of Imago Dei, and that is a Latin phrase for the image of God. And we're going to learn God's truth about what it means in the details around the image of God. And really what we're going to be looking at how is how we are supposed to view ourselves and how we are supposed to view people. And so here's the big idea for today. The core ethic of biblical Christianity has shaped entire cultures and gives us an answer to the question of life's meaning. I think for many people, just worldwide, when you say, what's the purpose of life? I mean, you'll get all kinds of answers. But I remember when I was young, and I was in school, and I just thought I would never get through school. You know, you're like eight, and you're like, man, I got 10 more years of school. That was like eternity, because I hated school. I hated junior high, and I just feel like God uses junior high to equip us for high school, because we're going to enter into high school, and then it gets really rough, because there's this thing called acne that's introduced to us, and it's a whole nother level of challenge now going to school. And it's just harsh, but you finally work through that. You work through your acne, you get cleared up. You now, I graduated on a Wednesday, went to work in the family business on Thursday. So when I was 19, I can remember having this conversation with my dad because I hated my job. I was a drapery installer. My mom and dad had a drapery business. And I asked him, hey, when's the age you can retire? I'm 19 years old, hating my job. And I know I'm not the only one in the room that can relate to this. 
And I'm like, how far, how long do I have to do this miserable job? Because I was miserable. As a drapery installer, I went into all these expensive homes, all these designers, and, and I'm hanging these drapes. And the customer, at the end of the job, I'd have to go get the customer and show them what I have done. And they wanted draperies to hang like this. And every once in a while, fabric does this. And you'd have to tie it, and you'd have to spray it, and you'd say, now, don't touch these for two weeks, and at least that was a, an out that I could get out the door. And hopefully when they took off that string at the bottom after two weeks, it hung like this. But as you know, fabric does its own thing, and sometimes it would hang like this. And I was going crazy, trying to make fabric do something it didn't do, and I was miserable. And I was like, is this why I'm here? I'm here to hang drapes? And I started because I was young and I was dumb. Is this the purpose and the meaning of why I'm here? But th as we laugh, many people find themselves in a job that they hate. I've already talked to both of my sons who are full-time employees now, and they're struggling because they hate their job. Most people hate their job, I'm trying to tell them. So I told them, suck it up, buttercup, you got 50 more years. <laughs> but the truth of the matter, all joking aside, is people start questioning is this why I'm here? And then they look at the mass, of, the mass numbers of humanity and they start saying, well, there's billions of people and I'm doing this dead-end job. I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. Do I matter? They come to that point. And I know a lot of kids in our schools and today in our country right now are asking themselves that same question. Do I matter? And it's a very sad question if you answer that question for yourself, and the answer is, no, I don't matter. That is a bad place to be. And maybe you've been there in your life, or maybe some of you in this room are, are, are here right now, or maybe you know somebody that's dealing with that. They just don't think they matter in life. They don't understand the, or connecting the pieces or they're looking for meaning and purpose in life and other things outside of what we're going to be talking about today and they can't find it. They just can't find that meaning and purpose. And we're going to look at three points as it pertains to Imago Dei, the image of God. And here's the first point of today. The Bible teaches that humans are created in God's image, Imago Dei, and therefore worthy of dignity and respect. Every life, every life is worthy of dignity and respect, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of age. Every life, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see so many incredible details about how God created us. So if you have a Bible, open it up to first, uh, the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, and we're going to look at creation because God has some amazing words for you. If you feel like you don't matter, God has a truth that you need to hear. Or maybe you know somebody after this message that needs to hear God's truth about them. And we find that in Genesis 1, verse 26. Look what it says. Then, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So we're going to unpack this verse, and it's an incredible verse, but before this is day six of creation, we need to go back to day one. In day one, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And at the end of the day, God said, it's good. And then throughout creation, we continue to see 
He brought structure to the earth, he, this expanse between the sky and the earth and the waters and the land. And he said, let there be. And he said, at the end of that day, it was good. And then he governed the day by the sun and he created these lights, the moon for, at night. And he said, let there be. And he just spoke the sun into existence. Just the power of God is incredible. And at the end of that day, he says it was good. And then he got to the point with plants and animals, and he said, let there be, and there was. And at the end of that day, he says, it was good. But on the sixth day, his language changed. He didn't say, let there be. He says, let us, let us make human beings in our image. Right here in the first chapter of God's word, you see how personal this relationship is with God. He made this so personal. He didn't just see, let there be male and female, no. He said, let us, and if you go back to the very first words, in the beginning, God created, and in that created, and then God created, you see, you see the God the Father, the initiator, in John, we see that Jesus is the creator of all things, and it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the waters. You see the triune God there in creation. And here on day six, you see the triune God saying, let us make human beings in our image. We were created, and we are created in the image of God. And because of that, Everybody is worthy of dignity and respect. All people, regardless of your beliefs, all people are created in the image of God. And here, what we see as God is personalizing this and making it so personal, we are the pinnacle of his creation. Because at the end of the sixth day, he said it was very good. You his creation on the sixth day when he created you, he was having a good day. And he looked at you and said, you are awesome. You are very good. What he is communicating, because you have been created in my image, you have meaning, you have purpose, you have value. That is amazing because we can see that as we just take a quick step back and looking at the God, the almighty God, the creator of everything, who creates all of this out of nothing. And you and I are a part of his plans. He was intentional about bringing you here. And he created you with unique giftings. And we are all just a little bit different. Even identical twins, they still have different traits. They still have different characteristics. But understanding how special it is that you are here and that God values you, that he sees you as a valuable person, we're going to talk more and more about that. And what this tells us is we are separated from all the other parts of creation because we are image bearers of God, meaning we are going to reflect his characteristics. We are going to reflect his attributes, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his compassion, his kindness. The world is not an, an image bearer of God. The animals are not an image bearer of God. And what this is communicating, there is something very special that he has in store for us, that we are unique, that we are his treasured creation. 
And the people of the world need to hear this message. Our youth need to hear this message. It's not about anything that we have done that brings this value or this meaning or this purpose. It's all about God, and we are a part of his plan. We are a part of his creation, and it is special, and he pursues us, and he's with us every step of the way. And it's incredible. And we're going to continue to unpack this before we move on, but it says to be like us. Now, let's make it very clear. What the Im- but being created in the image of God does not mean that someday we will become gods. No, God is holy. He is set apart from all things, all his creation, even us. We are human, and we cannot become gods. But there is likeness that he's talking about. It's in this scripture. But we, we can see that God speaks a language to us. He's a communicator to us. He uses language to communicate. And we speak with language. The animals can somewhat communicate, but they don't have the capacity of language. No one else does in creation except humanity. And so you can see that kind of that likeness. God is creative. Now, unlike us, he can create something out of nothing. But humans can be creative. There's this likeness that we can create art. Animals cannot create art. Plants cannot create art. They can look beautiful, but they cannot create be creative. We can be creative. And then in this verse, there's a likeness that he's talking about again, that he's just communicating a responsibility to his treasured creation. And it says, you will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and you will reign over the small animals that scurry along the ground. He's giving us this responsibility, the pinnacle of creation, people, humanity, to rule over part and care for part of his creation. Now, God is still ultimately ruling over his creation, but he gives us this responsibility to care for the fish, to care for the birds, to care for the animals that scurry along the ground. That is a responsibility that he wants us to rule and reign. And so that's a likeness to God. But understanding is this image of God, this imago Dei, is so important of why we have meaning, why we have value, and why we have purpose. And now we're going to go on to the second point. Imago Dei is the basis for blessing all of humanity, even those who stand against a biblical worldview. Again, regardless of who you are, regardless of your spiritual beliefs, we've all been created in the image of God. But I love this, and what God wants to do for his image bearers, is bless us. He wants to bless us. Now, 4th of July is right around the corner, and that's a day that we celebrate our independence, and we're going to look at a document that came from our forefathers because this country was founded on biblical principles, and we're going to look at part of the Declaration of Independence in just a minute. But as we look at our country today, we would say that many more people are fleeing from God than fleeing to God. Like when I was a child, you heard nothing but positive things about God. And you could say God in the media, and you can say all these details. You could talk about God at work. You could talk about God in school. And all of that over time now has been erased. I'm only going to be 53. I said only. Only 53 my next birthday. But I can't believe the change from a child till today. I have five pastors in my family also. So I was always around Christian influence of how fast it has changed. 
that God is trying to be erased from a country that was founded on godly principles. But there also are good things happening, great things. Because I can look at the culture and I can get real, unfortunately, my heart gets real negative at times of, of where we're heading. And it just hurts my heart because I know there's kids that are getting wrapped up into this and it's the lies of the world and it's, they're, they're, they're following, unfortunately, Satan's purpose rather than God's purpose. And it, it really does break my heart. But what I saw this week at Kids Camp in here, it was just a reminder. Man, God, you're awesome. You're still at work. You're still at work. Jan came in here as Mary on the night that Jesus died on the cross. I just want, I want to share this. I already mentioned Jan's name. She did a great job. And at that time, the world was confused, and she was acting out this part, and it was awesome. And she was like, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. And there's a little boy right here. He stands up and says, go read Isaiah. <laughs> and I said, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. So there are good things still happening. That just, that, that just filled my heart with joy that night. Did you see that young man that knew God's word and knew where to point people to see the truth and how, how God's word prophesies about who Jesus is? It was just awesome. But really, God does want to bless us. And that idea was written into the Declaration of Independence. So here it is. Talking about the image of God. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator, acknowledging there's a creator, God the creator, with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What this letter is saying, now again, there were sinful people within the world, and it was hard to get to this point. But everyone has the right to life, everybody has the right to liberty, that's freedom, and everybody has the, the right to the pursuit of happiness. And now we're going to use scripture to defend that. Because that's not God's word. That was written by Thomas Jefferson and the, and the cohorts that helped him draft up this document. But it's a great document. And our country was founded on godly principles. And here's God's truth talking about first life. Genesis 9-6, if anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. The reason why we don't take human life is because everyone was made in God's image. And I know this is a hot topic in our country right now. It's hot. I got home Friday afternoon. I just wanted to hear what was going on in the world after you know, the Supreme Court had made its decision. And there was a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion. Core value number one is we look to God and his word in all we do. And what you're not going to hear is, what does God have to say about this in the media? You know, the Bible is the final authority in our lives. Because I want to turn to the all-knowing God, the all-perfect God, the God that knows everything. That was, he made zero mistakes. He is the perfect, holy, set-apart God. What does he have to say on this topic? And here it is. Because we are made in the image of God, we are not supposed to take one another's life. He is the giver of life, and he is the taker of life. When we step out of the bounds, out of those boundaries, he's saying the consequences right here. He's saying the consequences that a person's life will also be taken by human life. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken. That is a little frightful. 
That's the consequences. If we don't honor God and what his word says, there are going to be consequences. Now, we're going to get to that here in a little bit longer. But understanding God loves us. God loves his creation. On that day, he was having a good day, and he looked at you and everyone he created, and he says, you are awesome. You are very good. It's amazing. And that's why when we watch the war on rec- in, in Ukraine, and that word war crimes, where there's Russian military killing civilians, that's why we sh- our hearts should break. Because those people were created in the image of God. When we see these mass shootings, 19 kids, two teachers in Texas, our hearts should break because those 19 kids and those two teachers were created in the image of God. Because we serve a holy God who is pro-life and he dictates, he is in control of giving and taking. So everybody has a right to life. Everybody. Let's look at liberty. Freedom. Here it says in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat. You have all this freedom. Adam and Eve, you have all this freedom. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you would eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So I just want us to, to be in the garden. And again, this is before sin, so there's no weeds. I mean, this garden is beautiful. And there's just an abundance of fruit trees. And I bet this fruit, oh, I know, this would be the best tasting fruit you would ever be able to eat. And it was beautiful and it was lush. And God is saying, here you go, Adam and Eve. Here it is. All of this is yours. You have freedom to choose from any one of these trees, but don't choose from this tree here. You can't. Otherwise, if you do and you choose to eat from this tree, you will surely die. What this reminds us is God did not create us as programmed individuals to just obey everything he said. He gives us the right to choose. Adam and Eve had the right to choose. I'm lumping Eve in with that. They had the right to choose. And now we can see when we have freedom, we can abuse that freedom because at times we are going to choose the wrong path. Now, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about this next week because it is important to understand sin and when sin entered the world. And again, that's, that's topic number four, conversation number four. So that's coming but we have a God that wants the best for us, and he's like, look, I want you to choose me. I want you to choose the right decisions. You're not always gonna make the right decisions, and he gives us instruction on what to do when we do that, but we do have this freedom. This freedom that they're talking about, this liberty, did not come from the forefathers. It came from God. He created Adam and Eve and says, you have freedom to choose. You can go left or you can go right. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the ability to choose our consequences. And that's what we learn here from Scripture. When we choose the path that's not towards God, it's away from God, we don't get to choose our consequences. But because of our image, that we are born in the image of God, we have this freedom 
of choice. And sometimes we're going to make choice, great choices, pursuing God, seeking God. And then there's other times where we're going to make bad choices, and God will show us the consequences, or our spouse will show us the consequences, or parents will show the consequences to our children when they choose the wrong path. But that's a process of learning. But we do have freedom. Here's the last one, Philippians 4.4, 4, happiness. Here's how, here's how Paul writes it, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now it's important to understand, because I talked about, you know, we can be in a, in a job and we can say, man, I hate my job. Many people, that's the conclusion. They, they can go one step for, farther and they can say, I hate the people I work with. <laughs> and there's a truth to, to about that. And there's circumstances that cause us to to feel the way we feel. And it's important to understand where Paul at this time is and what he's doing as he's writing this letter. He's in prison. And before he was imprisoned, he was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was wrongfully accused. He was under house arrest for two years. If anyone had a moment to complain, it's Paul. But this letter, he is being written in prison. And he's sending it to the Philippian church. And he says, always be full of joy. Joy is a completion. It's a fuller completion of happiness. You can be happy, but joy only comes from the Lord. And he says, I want you to be sure that you have hearts full of joy, full of joy, he says. And he's in prison writing this to the church, and he's in prison writing that to us here today. Because so often our circumstances rob us of the joy that God has planned for us. In James, it says, consider it pure joy. Paul's writing full joy here. James, consider it pure joy when you face trials, hardships. You're like, wait a minute. When I'm in a trial or I'm in a hardship or I'm going through life in, a, in just an unfortunate situation, I'm not happy, I'm not joy, I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. And what scriptures, what Paul and James are trying to communicate to us is your circumstances don't have to dictate to you or rob you of the joy that God has for you. He did not create you to come to this world to be miserable. That's the thief's purpose which is to seek, kill, and destroy. If he can't kill you, he wants to destroy you. And he wants you to be miserable. That's how he can cause destruction in your life. But John 10, 10, Jesus said, no, I have come so that you may have a rich and satisfying life, a life of joy. And here's what Paul is saying, have a heart of full joy. Because when you come to faith, he says, now, I give you a new heart. When you have that understanding of putting your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, he says, I give you a new heart, a, a heart that can respond, a heart that can be full of joy, a heart that can protect against just having your circumstances dictate to how you are feeling. And that's what Paul is getting at. Here's what our forefathers are trying to say. You have the right to happiness you have the right to joy because you are created in the image of God. And here's our last point. Imago Dei, the image of God, gives us a def definite, definite purpose in life to love God, others, and ourselves. Everything that we are here, the purpose of life, is all rooted in 
love. It's all rooted in love. So I just want you to, to hear God's word. As we are going to look at Matthew 22, Jesus being challenged by the, by the Pharisees, they're trying to trap him. What is the greatest commandment, they ask him. He says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's that picture. We are to love God, we are to love others, and we are to love ourselves. You are to love yourself. That everything of God's purpose, he created you out of love, said you're gonna be a part of my plans, and my plans are all for you, are rooted in love. So let's look at what that means briefly to love God. 1 John 5, 3 says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You gotta remember Jesus, right after he said, the second is just as equally as important as the first commandment, he said, and then all of the commandments, all the do's and don'ts in scripture that God talks about, are found in these two commandments, all of them, and it's rooted in love. And what the Bible is saying is when you read my word, God wants us to read, here, I put boundaries in place for you because I love you. Here's the do's in life, here's the don'ts. Look, you're gonna mess up, but I'll be there. I'll be there to pick you up and get you back on the path, God says. But all the do's and the don'ts, and we, when we obey God's word, when we're forgiving to one another, when we're allowing for each other's faults, when we're loving and not self-seeking, God says, you are obeying me. You are expressing love to me. As a parent, have you ever told your child to do something and just because they loved you, just because they love you, they did it? They listened and obeyed? That's what God is getting at here. When we listen and obey God, that's an expression of love to God by following his commandments. It's beautiful. Here's what it means to love others. So at this time, there was a little bit of tiff going on in the Corinthian church, and Paul had to write this letter. And this letter is used so often today, whether you're a believer or a non-believer in weddings, because what Paul says, the definition of love is incredible. But the church in Corinth needed to hear this because there were relationships that were breaking. And he said, guys, here's what you need to do. And here's what love is. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, he says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know, this was written to the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, but it's easy sometimes to love those who are like-minded, to love those who have the same religious beliefs. But it's actually greater than that. When God's word is saying, love your neighbor, he's talking about all the horizontal relationships, your coworkers, literally your neighbors, the world, the culture. You know, it's always a good reminder when we did our culture war series is that we're not, the enemy is not the people within the culture. The enemy is always Satan. And when it means to love your neighbors, 
even if you're not like-minded or have the same values, we're still supposed to put this into action. This is action. Love is a feeling, and I praise God for that feeling. I have a granddaughter right now when I hold her. I just have that feeling of love. I love it. And there is that feeling of love. But feelings can go up and down. Feelings, feelings can be misleading at times. This is action. This requires effort. It's effort to not keep record of wrongs. It takes effort at times to put yourself to the left and say, I'm going to be patient and kind to you. I'm going to express that kind of love and that action to you. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to be boastful. What Paul was getting at is poetry at its best. He says it so well here. And this is the kind of love that God wants us to put into action in our horizontal relationships. And it's all rooted in love. Why? Because everyone is created in the image of God. Luke 12, 6 and 7, love yourself. How many young people in our world today are struggling with loving themselves? Or maybe you're here today struggling with loving yourself. Listen to what God says, Luke 12, 6 and 7. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. This is that word value that many people don't really understand the value they are to the world, to God, to their family, because they were created in the image of God. And he's saying, look, I care for the sparrows. I care for them. But for my treasured creation, I value you even more. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. I am a loving God who is caring for you, providing for you, looking after for you, because you mean that much to me. God says, I am going to provide for all your needs. He doesn't say life is going to be easy. Sometimes he puts that storm in front of us, and he says, walk into it. Nope, don't go right, don't go left, don't pull a Jonah. Walk right into it, because I'm going to do something special here, because you're going to come out of it stronger. But he says, look, I care for the birds in the sky. Of course, for my treasured creation, who I said is very good, I'm going to care for all their needs. Don't worry because you are created in my image, and you are awesome. You are very good. And what happens in life, though, we're not hearing from God enough. Our kids are not hearing from God enough. They're looking within themselves. They're measuring up to the culture. They're measuring up to the media, and they're just not able to get to a place of comfort, of value, they're just not. And they'll never measure up. There's always somebody more beautiful. There's somebody with better talent. We just can never measure up. But when you understand how God views you, now you can express and share in the value that you are, that you were created in the image of God. And I want to end with this. God has an eternal purpose for you. The here and now is just not it. And it's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus 
And when you do that, you inherit this blessing like no other blessings, and it's an eternal promise, spending eternity with God. That's why he brought you here. Yes, to experience this love on this earth, but it's a bigger picture. It's an eternal picture where God is going to be God and we are going to be his people. And that is a blessing I hope that each and every one of us encounter. If you have questions about that, please come up to this after the service. I'd love to talk to you. Let's pray. God, we give you praise and thanks for who you are. We're thankful that you are the creator of all things, that we look to you and we look to your word to really express the truth about us, that you value us, that we are a part of your just treasured creation who you're caring for, that you have good plans for us, Lord, and that you see the value in each and every one of us. I pray that every individual that hears this message, they would really understand chapter one in scripture of Genesis of how you value each of us. We pray, Lord, as you've given us the freedom to choose, Lord, that we would continue to choose your path. And God, that we would repent and seek your forgiveness for when we make mistakes, Lord. We're grateful that you're a gracious God and that, Jesus, you took care of those wrong decisions. You took care of the path that we choose when you went and nailed all of that to the cross for us. We celebrate that, Lord. And my hope and prayer is that everyone here and listening online would experience this eternal blessing, this internal inheritance that we receive only from you, God, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. May that be true here today, Lord. I pray for that individual that hasn't made that response. May you draw them close to you. May they feel your presence. May they feel your grace. May they feel your mercy. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.